Sell me this pen. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. Pick up your skirt, grab your balls, and let's make some money. Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of the Thursday Night Sales Podcast. Just a little something to take the edge off. Today, I'm going to discuss Elon Musk's wild behavior as of late, and I'm going to be joined by a former colleague but longtime friend, Matt, who's going to take us through BS LinkedIn titles and the best and worst TV and movie sales managers to work for. So back in the intro episode, I mentioned Elon Musk, the visionary founder of PayPal, Tesla, SpaceX, in reference to a very public blunder of his. Tesla was unveiling their new vehicle, the Cybertruck, and in order to demonstrate how resilient the truck was, he hurled a metal ball the size of a softball at the driver's side window. Now, any salesperson knows that when you're making a big presentation, Murphy's Law kicks in, and lo and behold, the metal ball that he threw at the car smashed the windshield. Now, I'm thinking, oh man, I wish the sales pod was around at that time, because when am I going to get to so closely identify with a billionaire genius like Musk? When is this ever going to happen again? Well, the wait is over. Over the past few weeks, Musk has made news on nearly a daily basis. He's had controversial takes on the pandemic, uh, borderline irresponsible and negligent comments on Tesla, and some other just wacky attention-grabbing shit. Now I'm trying to process this from a, a standpoint that I can identify with as a salesperson, and I think I cracked it. And you're going to have to go with me here a little bit. But what I think is that Musk over-forecasted, and now he's trying to Jedi mind-trick the world into buying enough Teslas from him where he gets away with it free and clear. So let's get into the Elon Musk selling rampage. So it starts out pretty bleak. It starts out with denial. Um, 52-week low uh, stock price at Tesla was $176. And recently, it got up to $968. So the expectations are sky high. But then the coronavirus happens, and now it's looking really bleak. So what does he do? Goes in denial. He starts tweeting out how the response to the coronavirus is dumb. Uh, Then he tries to pull back those expectations, tweeting out, Tesla stock price is too high, IMO, in my opinion. Not something that you expect from the CEO of the company. And we can understand this in sales. If you've ever forecasted a high number and then a huge game-changing thing happens like, you know, this situation that we're all dealing with, or if you lose a big deal, you might try to walk back your expectations as well. So after he does this, he goes on a selling rampage, systematically targeting different customer groups. And this is where it starts to get really fun. So if you're going to do this as a salesperson, how do you start? The first thing you do is lock down your core customers. And the core customers for Tesla are clearly rich Gen X gamer type. How does he go after them? Musk tweets out, anyone think they can get a good Minecraft working on Teslas? Or maybe create a game that interacts virtually with reality like Pokemon Go while driving safely, like a complex version of Pac-Man or Mario Kart. It's genius. You're giving your core group of fans ownership over a new feature of the car. They're going to be able to play video games that give them a feeling of nostalgia while ripping down the road from 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds. Okay, so what do you do next now that you got the core locked down? You go to an adjacent group. You're going to go to the stoner jocks that also have money. So Musk goes on the Joe Rogan podcast. 
He's on there last week, and for two hours, Joe is talking to him as if he has all of the answers to all the mysteries of life. Towards the end of the podcast, they talk about Tesla for like two minutes, and all of a sudden, now I want to buy a Tesla because I've spent two hours thinking that this guy has unlocked all the mysteries to the universe. And wait a minute, there's a car that I can buy created by him. And he used actually a really interesting word that I might even incorporate into my sales pitches. When he talked about how fast the Tesla was compared to the closest competitors, he just said, the, the, the new model, the new model, it's, it's unfair. It's unfair. And Rogan's like, the sheer acceleration is baffling. Yeah, it's, it's unfair. So where do you go from there? You got to really start broadening out the appeal because we need to sell a lot of damn Teslas to live up to that stock price. What you do is you leverage marketing. And what's a surefire marketing win for a celebrity like Musk and his girlfriend Grimes? Have a baby and name it something really offbeat. It worked for Kanye and Kim. It worked for Hov and B. But E&G not only raised the bar in the weird celeb baby name game, they flipped the script. We're not talking about Northwest. We're not talking about Blue Ivy. They named their baby X-Ash Archangel 12. That's right. What? It's a letter, a symbol, a word, and a number. Business Insider described it as not even a name, as a bizarre moniker. But I got to tell you, you know, I support it. But I guess the only downside for Musk is the kid is probably going to have a pretty intense rebellion when he gets to his teen years. I mean, after you get a name like that. The thing is, how do you rebel against Tony Stark? You know, when your dad's a billionaire sending rockets into outer space. Do you just like shun technology or, or better yet, just use unnecessarily bad technology? Like just get around on a unicycle everywhere you want to go? You don't get it, dad. <laughs> I don't need one of your Teslas. I want to use my legs. But Ash, the, the Tesla loves you, yeah, just 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 like I do, yeah. So I'll, I'll build you one with, with one wheel. We, we can do that, yeah. Uh, please use the Tesla, yeah. And now that you've got everyone's attention with the crazy kid name, you take the celebrity play to the highest level possible. Musk has announced that he's working with NASA and Tom Cruise to film a movie in outer space. Not just take place in outer space. The movie will actually literally be filmed in outer space. <laughs> I mean, I hope it takes place in outer space. I hope they don't go up there just to build a set to film something that takes place in Scranton, Pennsylvania. But the crazy thing about that story is that when I heard about that with Tom Cruise and Elon Musk planning to film a movie in outer space, it just seems like a logical next step for them. I mean, Tom Cruise just learned how to fly a jet fighter and do a death spiral in a helicopter for his last two movies. This is the logical progression. And, you know, it's it's just funny to think about a movie's about to be filmed in outer, outer space, and then you hear it's from these two guys, and you're like, yeah, you know, I'm not surprised. So anyway, that kind of wraps up Musk's hijinks over the past month or so. And I got to be honest, I'm not totally sure that it's over. I mean, by the time this podcast comes out, he could be doing some other crazy stuff. And to close out, you can judge Elon's comments. You can criticize the decisions. But I guess you can't knock the hustle, no matter how weird or genius it is.
So for the rest of the episode, I'll be joined by my longtime friend and one-time colleague, Matt. Before we jump in, let's give a little uh, context to the audience on that one-time sales colleague thing. So you and I worked together at Experian. Uh, it was a bit of a small team, but everyone was pretty much a maniac. I mean, we were all in our mid-20s. Um, there were, what, five of us? Yeah, it was a remote sales office. It was our manager and admin and the five of us. And it was just a, uh, it, it was just five for five on being characters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so I just walk in my first day at work because you had actually referred me and brought me in. And I just walk in on my first day and people just started calling me the magician. Right. And, and you had no idea why. I mean, they didn't know you yet. I was wondering if you told them something and it just turns out they just doled out nicknames and then you needed to make it work which is kind of a great system. <laughs> uh, and you, of course, did make it work. And I would ask you to tell us how, but the magician never reveals the secrets. <laughs> Dad joke for the win. So let's get into uh, the BS LinkedIn titles. Matt, take us through exactly what we mean with the BS part here. Really, this is just talking about um, people using extra titles and fake titles to make their jobs seem more important than they really are. And the right. point of a LinkedIn profile is explain the job you do. And when people overreach, um, they do one of two things. They either highlight the fact that they're overselling it or they make right. themselves look douchey in doing so. Right. And since we're doing BS LinkedIn titles, it's only appropriate that we spruce this segment up with a little BS corporate motivational background music. So I've got some. These these kind of all trend to some of the BS ones that we see in tech. Uh, anything with evangelist after it. It's like, oh, yeah. How many people really deserve the title evangelist for their brand or product? Just because you are in sales and marketing and you tell people how good your company is? Yeah, not, not everyone who likes and or promotes something is an evangelist. <laughs> Louis C.K. had this bit about people using the word amazing and hilarious. It's just like, right. you know, it kind of takes away the meaning of the word when everyone is using it about stuff that doesn't deserve it. I think the word evangelist is good, especially when it's used as a one word sentence. Like if a, a LinkedIn profile says evangelist, storyteller, quarterback, <laughs> data connector, just like, <laughs> just like this is how you're describing yourself in one word sentences, just to add some gravitas to it. Right. Quarterback is hilarious because it actually is a real job. Right. <laughs> right. And that's not what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I like the ones also where people seem to not be completely comfortable where they're at. So they want to focus more on where they've been. So they will add okay. uh, that they are an alum of a company into their title. Right. So it's yeah. like marketing at company X McKinsey alum. It's like, all right, listen, <laughs> if, if I'm doing a scrape for uh, McKinsey Bain BCG, I'm going to find you. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't immediately go, uh, well, that, that's not a very impressive title, but wait, he worked at McKinsey. Let me check yeah. this guy out. There's a lot of that of people that like come from the big tech companies, like uh, Google alum, Facebook alum. Like, if you're so impressed by it, why'd you leave? <laughs> right. If you were that great, they would have probably tried to fight to keep you in some way. No? Yeah, c c wasn't on partner track at McKinsey. Just want to let you know. <laughs> it has to be a step down. People don't do that when they go to a better place. Uh, like if you work at Amazon, no one's saying like a Raymore and Flanagan alum 
Yeah. Uh, head sandwich artist at Quiznos Subway alum. <laughs> Shout out to Hannibal Burris for that one. <laughs> Shout out to pronouncing it Quiznos. Um, <laughs> exactly. of- That's actually how he did it in his bit. So I think it just <laughs> kind of snuck through by osmosis. <laughs> <laughs> Some people want to go like beyond their current title and they do it by like describing whatever their mission is. But typically like it's something really boring and they're just using like lofty language to compensate on a relentless quest to automate client engagement through insight driven email newsletters like this. This isn't a relentless quest. You're not Maximus and Gladiator. Yeah, there's nothing better than being disappointed when reading someone's like about title. And then, of course, anyone with a title that includes the words ninja, rockstar, wizard, customer service ninja, salesforce rockstar. Like, you know how far away your life is from that of a rockstar if the thing you're best at is querying salesforce? (laughs) Yeah. Hacker is another one that's overused, uh, specifically in sales and marketing. Uh, Growth hacker is one that you see a lot. Just about everyone at the companies working with growth in mind uh, as a goal. So yeah, I don't don't know what you hacked that you figured out. Right. Like I I think what they mean is, you know, finding innovative ways to grow sales or grow users or something like that. But, you know, really there have only been a, a few true innovations in that kind of space over the last 20 years, like in the digital age. Like, yeah, the first company to ever do a referral code in their app, that was growth hacking. Now, when there are 10,000 other companies doing it and you're in a meeting and you raise your hand and you say, hey, why don't we do a, a referral system? Like you're not a innovator at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's 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 five others at your company doing the same exact thing as you every day. But there's like an implication that there's some kind of oracle sitting on a mountaintop with, with a crystal ball conjuring up new growth strategies that no other human brain has ever been able to figure out. All right, guys, we've talked to sales. We've done everything we can. We've talked to marketing, events, PR. We've exhausted every avenue. Let's go to the growth hacker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up. But I'm sure that uh, anyone listening, uh, you have seen your fair share of uh, eye roll worthy behavior on LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out to us on social at TN Sales Pod and share what you've seen. Here's to the LinkedIn bullshitters. For our next segment, Rob and I are going to talk about some notable sales managers from pop culture. So folks in TV and movies, we're going to list them off. Uh, For those of you who hadn't seen the movie, we'll give you a quick synopsis. And then at the end of each one, Rob and I are going to say yes or no, whether we would want to work for them. So I'm going to start off with Matthew McConaughey in The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah. He plays Jordan Belfort's uh, boss in his first job. And Jordan Belfort, of course, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And the key scene here is the epic lunch that he takes Jordan to on his first day on Wall Street. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. 
You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes the fuck out. <laughs> Excellent strategy, sir. Yeah, so fun boss, yes. Takes an interest in you on your first day, yes. Builds up your confidence by saying, I heard you picked a stock during your interview. I love that. I fucking love <laughs> yeah. that. Like, yeah. Leo just was so pumped up on his first day. So it's a clear yes yeah. for me. I would want to work for Matthew McConaughey with the obvious con of feeling pressured to do cocaine and get fall down drunk at lunch. Yeah, definitely some dubious pearls of wisdom from fuck the clients to uh, cocaine and hookers. How else would you do this job? Imagine being told on your first day of work that you are not only allowed to, but encouraged to jerk off in the office bathroom several times per day. <laughs> those are rookie numbers. we got to get those numbers up. Got to pump those numbers up. Well, I'm going to have to exhibit some self-control, but ultimately McConaughey, Wolf of Wall Street, is just going to be too much fun. So I'm going to say yes as well. Next, we have Robert California from some of the later seasons of The Office, played by none other than James Spader. His first... Uh, appearance is in the last episode of season seven after Steve Carell leaves and they're looking for a new boss. And that initial interview is one of the funniest things, in my opinion, in the entire show, The Office. Is this where he says, I uh, asked if he looks like someone who likes to waste his own time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a yes for me for Robert California. And of course, throws an unbelievable party with a great line. He's lamenting how the mansion that he bought, he hasn't had a, as many parties there as he would have wanted. And, you know, the night goes on and all of a sudden people are, you know, drinking a lot and acting ridiculous and laughing and having a great time. And he looks around and he says, you know what? This is no longer a get together. This is a party. And then drops his robe and skinny dips in front of his uh, <laughs> in front of the office. People. I'll put that in the on the cons column. But um, I think overall it's a yes for me, too. I think what I liked him at, about him most is. You know, he, he really helps to simplify things. And I think his other notable line was just to say that sales is about sex. There is no such thing as a product. Don't ever think there is. There is only sex. Everything is sex. Do you understand that what I'm telling you is a universal truth. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, a lot of people would be uncomfortable. I would be secretly laughing the entire time. All right, who, who else we got? Yeah, I think next we have uh, Derek uh, from Step Brothers. So I believe this is the, uh, the Adam Scott character. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was thinking here that if he's your brother, it sucks to work for him because obviously he gives his brother, played by Will Ferrell, so much shit the entire movie, makes him feel so small and insecure. But the job itself is kind of a sweet gig. I mean, you're selling helicopters from the biggest executive helicopter leasing company on the Western seaboard, and the company is doing amazing marketing events. I mean, fucking Catalina Wine Mixer. So, I don't know. I might be tempted to take the job, even if the boss is a dick. I'm, I'm going to give him a no, uh, just because he's a little, little self-absorbed. Um, far be it for me to judge. But I think he, he's also... Uh, too, too many put downs from family. Just uh, he's like, sh you know, is Catherine Hans a little bit pitchy and he just rips her apart. Like, I can't imagine messing up in a meeting when he's there and we'll I have to hear about it the whole car ride home. Yeah, he's definitely making you rehearse the elevator pitch over and over on that car ride home. Fucking Catalina wine mixer. It's a fucking Catalina wine mixer. It's a fucking Catalina wine mixer. Uh, 
Um, feels silly even talking through this next one, but Kevin Spacey and Glengarry Glen Ross. Um, a jealous, incompetent, vindictive sales manager. Um, not my top three adjectives when I'm looking for someone to work for, but essentially sends Jack Lemon on a wild goose chase to sell to people who just enjoy talking to salesmen uh, because he doesn't like him. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to say no to working for Kevin Spacey for a variety of reasons, but just a, a hard no on being anywhere near that Glengarry Glen Ross environment. I mean, I don't know if that kind of stuff inspired salespeople back in the 80s, that whole kind of like, you know, we're going to come in here and tell you that you don't belong here, call you losers in, in the hopes that you're going to want to prove us wrong. I mean, that kind of bullshit never inspired me. Um, you know, I just don't want to be around it. There's nothing less inspiring than Alec Baldwin's speech in Glengarry Glen Ross. Here's how much money I've made. Go sell something. <laughs> the only thing redeeming about working in that office is getting to see Al Pacino yelling at Kevin Spacey. What's your trade? What should buy a pack of gum? I'll show you how to chew it. <laughs> oh, you owe me a Cadillac. So this one's a bit obscure. I'm not even sure who to pin this on, but uh, in terms of like being in charge and sending a salesperson out on the road with little to no chance of success, despite the end result, um, whoever the hell let Chris Farley and Tommy Boy out on the road with the fate of the company resting on his shoulders, no sales training, just hopeful that uh, Big Tom Callahan's genes and DNA would rub off on, on young Tommy. Uh, wh what do you got for that one? Yeah, well, there's clearly a problem with the sales team or the sales org structure at Callahan Auto Parts. When we enter the movie, they are completely dependent on a 70-year-old morbidly obese, big Tom Callahan, driving around the Midwest and selling auto parts, uh, using a sales pitch that has a metaphor in it, which includes sticking your head up a bull's ass. Yeah. Is there no one between the founder and CEO of the company and his idiot son who just graduated college after seven years? Like, I think that eventually this comes down to big Tom Callahan. Like, I mean, he was running the company, you know. It's on him. He, it's, yeah. it's on him. Big, big, well, uh, big, big time key man issue company was <laughs> completely fucked after he kicked the bucket big time key man issue cool well yeah i think uh unfortunately not a ton of uh disagreement <laughs> within our discourse but i think we uncovered some good points um so who, who would who would be your number one out of this list who's who's your favorite uh sales manager out of the ones we discussed so far mcconaughey 100 percent, absolutely um crazy partying and he's not gonna get me sent to jail we can't agree on the number one, too. I'm going to go with Robert California. Okay. I think he would be well. just very, very entertaining guy to go on the road with, uh, even without the nonstop partying, because I don't even think I could keep up with McConaughey at this point. All right. That wraps it up for uh, Movie and TV Bosses. Keep it up for me. The CEO. Oh! And the money comes in. Parade comes to town, going down Broadway, is a one-way street, whichever way I go. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Thursday Night Sales Podcast. Just a little something to take the edge off. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tell a friend about our show. You can always reach us on social at TN Sales Pod. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.